really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast with Karen Wyatt. We're talking about everyday spirituality, which is the inspiration for me to do this new podcast. I believe that we're on the cusp of a potential transformation in our society, indeed for the entire planet, but things are actually really precarious right now. We could go either direction. We could transcend and reach higher consciousness as human beings, or we could devolve into who knows what kind of difficulties and challenges. And I would like to support the idea of transformation and transcendence. And I'm doing that by sharing with you some of the things that I've learned in the past about how to live a more spiritual life and how to move toward higher consciousness, but also things that I'm learning right now, day to day, as I'm just here on this planet in 2021, living my life every day. So I'm hoping this will be helpful to any of you who, like me, are working toward higher consciousness and wanting to live a life that has deeper meaning to it and that focuses on our own spiritual existence and becoming the best selves that we can possibly be. So that's why I'm sharing this information with you. Today, we're going to listen in on an episode that I recorded a couple of years ago for my other podcast, End of Life University. It's part three of the dance of life and death. And I'm talking all about rhythm here. So you'll hear all of my ideas and thoughts around that. I just wanted to say before we get started, that finding the rhythm of life is still something that I work on all the time. I find myself constantly, I'm either pushing or pulling life in one direction or another, instead of relaxing and enjoying the music and being in the rhythm and the flow of life. So the messages that I'm sharing here are still extremely important for me today and still things that I'm working on right now. So I hope you find it of interest as well. So here we go. So now I'll move on to the feature discussion for today, the dance of life and death. And today we're talking about rhythm. So if you've listened to the previous two episodes in this series, I talked first of all about timing and secondly, secondly about balance. And so today is rhythm. These are all three characteristics that are important in dance. So I'm likening life and death to a dance. Life and death are the two partners who are connected eternally with one another, dancing their way through the universe. And these elements, timing, balance, and now rhythm, are instrumental in how life and death unfold and intertwine together. So I'm really breaking down the elements and there will be be a fourth one coming up uh, to help us understand a little bit better how we can fit into this dance of life and death, how we can accept it better and how we can utilize it to make our own lives better. So 
as we're looking at the subject of rhythm, I happen to be reading something that a dancer wrote one day. And he talked about the fact that one of the most important elements of dance is the pause, the moments when there's no movement in the dance. He was talking about when we know exactly how and when to pause in the midst of a dance, we highlight the movement of the dance by stopping the motion temporarily. And that really made an impression on me that rhythm really is this combination of movement and pausing, movement and stillness that intertwine with one another and flow together with one another. But movement alone would not be satisfying or entertaining. That's what this dancer was emphasizing, that it's really the moments of stillness when there's no movement that allow us to appreciate the motion so much when it returns. And so I think that's such a good metaphor for life, that we need this constant rhythm of movement and stillness working together in our lives. And then if we think about music, which is also rhythmic in its nature, music as well contains rests and pauses. And it's those pauses that sometimes create the drama and the tension and the beauty within the music. It's not constant notes. There are moments of pausing and moments when there's stillness and silence within the music. And also in poetry and the written word, it's sometimes the the white space on the page that is the most profound when you're reading a poem. It's the words that have not been written, the words that are implied but not spoken or written that have the most impact for us. So it's what is not said that makes the spoken word more profound if we think about it. Just as it's emptiness that underscores fullness and helps us appreciate times when we're just full of life and energy and excitement. It's those times when we feel empty and dry that help us appreciate fullness. And so these contrasting states, movement and stillness, emptiness and fullness that help create this rhythm that flows through all of life and death. So I wanted to get you started by thinking about that, thinking about that idea that there is both movement and stillness, forward motion and waiting and pausing within this rhythm of life and death. And sometimes we find it hard to accept either one of those or both of those states at various times. Sometimes we don't like the movement. We feel that things are pushing forward too quickly and we'd like to slow it down for a while. Sometimes we really can't stand waiting and pausing and anticipating something, and we wish we could speed it up and make it happen faster. But life and death have their own rhythm, their own flow, and we really do not have control over that rhythm. It's something we have to learn how to fit into and accept for ourselves. So I have a couple of quotes for you. Uh, first of all, from Rudolf Steiner. He's the founder of the Waldorf School. 
and he wrote, Only man is permitted to live without rhythm in order that he can become free. However, he must of his own accord bring rhythm again into the chaos. And then he goes on to also write, One can ascend to a higher development only by bringing the rhythm and repetition into one's life. Rhythm holds sway in all nature. So what he's really saying is that we're allowed to step out of the rhythm that exists in the universe and nature. We're allowed to defy that rhythm if we choose to in our lives. That's how we differentiate ourselves and get to know ourselves. But in order to grow and to evolve into our best and highest selves, we have to figure out how to bring the rhythm back into our lives and how to accept the rhythm of nature and the universe that is surrounds us that we are part of so we have to learn how to stop resisting this natural universal rhythm and go with the flow and find ourselves relaxing into the rhythm that's that surrounds us so that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit more as I was preparing for this episode two weeks ago, I started uh, doing some research and writing some things down for the episode. An event happened for my family that brought all of this home to me. My son and his wife have a brand new puppy who about two weeks ago had a very serious health crisis and ended up being placed in the little animal ICU, essentially. Um, and my son called me about one o'clock in the morning and said the vet isn't sure that he will make it through the night. And so those are heavy, weighty words to hear about anyone that we love. And though this was just a little puppy, he was the most adorable a little creature that you can imagine. And he had already just broken all of us open and we had nothing but pure, unconditional love for him. So that phone call set off a night of waiting, a night of being in a time of pausing and stillness, a night when there was absolutely nothing that none of that any of us could do for this little puppy. We simply had to wait until we saw what happened, until we saw how things unfolded. And so, of course, I didn't sleep all night. I'm sure my son and his wife didn't sleep either. It was one of those experiences of uh, laying there and then thinking, oh, I'm sure two hours have gone by and looking at the clock to see only 10 minutes had passed. It was an endless, eternal night of waiting and wondering what will happen and when will we hear the news of what has happened. And as I laid there and really feeling the pain of this space, when life asks us to pause and asks us to be in this, this place of waiting where we do not know what is going to happen next, we have no idea, we can envision various outcomes that might happen, but we really have no idea which way it will go. It's an incredibly 
heavy and painful time, a time when we're just wide open, our hearts are just leaking out, our grief and pain and fear, but our love as well, extreme love, in fact. Um, I found myself just sending to this little puppy, like rays and rays of love, like whatever happens next, whatever, whatever your journey will bring, I am surrounding you with love. Um, that was the only thing I could do that could bring me any comfort in the night as I waited. And of course, I thought about all of the people all around the world who at that very same time were also pausing and waiting for news about a loved one. And all of those people, while my waiting lasted one night, in the morning, I'll just tell you what happened. In the morning, we got a phone call. The puppy was awake, wagging his tail, and hungry and eating his breakfast. So the puppy is now fine. He made it through his crisis. And um, we now think of him as a little miracle dog uh, who is still gracing our lives with so much love and joy. And we are indeed grateful beyond words that we still get to have this puppy in our lives. But I thought, of course, I, I paused for another moment to think of all of the people who not only were waiting that night, but who have waited for days and weeks and months and sometimes even years waiting at the bedside of a loved one who has been going through a crisis, waiting, not knowing what the outcome is going to be, not knowing what will happen next. And in the midst of that night, as I was feeling my pain, I felt myself connecting with everyone everywhere who was in that same space, as if we were in a liminal space, in between the times of movement, in between the times of doing, we were in a liminal space between where we could, we had nothing available to us except to just be in the moment. I felt a connection with everyone out there who's in that similar space, and it was powerful and profound. And I realized that it is this experience of having to wait in the midst of uncertainty when we don't know what's coming next, when we have no idea what the outcome is going to be of the circumstance that we're in. These are simply profound times when I believe there is an opportunity to find space to grow. And it's hard to describe how does this growth happen? How does it actually happen in the midst of that waiting time? And I think, I believe that what's necessary is that we come to an experience or a place of hope where we can acknowledge that there is always hope, no matter how dark, no matter how discouraging the news is, no matter how terrible things look in the moment, there is always hope. Now, hope for me when our little, the little puppy was in the ICU was not necessarily, oh, I hope that he lives. Of course, I did have that hope. But the hope that sustained me was the hope that whatever happens may 
we know that we have been blessed in one way or another. May we know that we've been blessed by the presence of this puppy in our lives for a short time. And may we know that if it's his time to leave us, that that also is part of the blessing for us. That was my hope that we would be able to move through whatever the outcome was and that we would be able to find a way to grow from it in a way to turn it into something beautiful and something that could sustain us in the future, no matter what happened. And so I have another uh, quote here from Bruce Barton uh, that I think echoes what I'm trying to say. He said, action and reaction, ebb and flow, trial and error, change. This is the rhythm of living. Out of our overconfidence, fear. Out of our fear, clearer vision, fresh hope. And out of hope, progress. So that was Bruce Barton who wrote that. And I love the idea that we can move from fear to clearer vision to hope. And that hope is what inspires us to make progress. And we make that progress not just because, oh, there's a great happy outcome, exactly what we wanted to have happened came true. No, we make progress because we understand that we have the tools to deal with whatever the outcome is. That's what the clearer vision is. The clearer vision allows us to see that this is all part of my life. Everything I've learned, every way in which I've grown has brought me to this place where I am now dealing in this moment of pause in this liminal space where I'm waiting. I'm now dealing with the unknown and the uncertainty. But everything I've learned up to now has prepared me for this. I'm ready for this. And with that clearer vision, we can find hope in the fact that we've been through tough times before. We've experienced difficult things in our lives before, and we've survived them. And our hope is, yes, we will survive whatever the outcome is, and we will find a way somehow, sometime, at some point, place down the road, a way to make progress. Maybe it won't happen immediately. Maybe it will take us years. Maybe we'll spend years grieving and in pain before we're ready for progress. But the fact that progress is still possible is where our, our hope comes from in those dark moments. And so remember what Rudolf Steiner wrote in the quotes I mentioned earlier, that we have to find a way to bring rhythm back into our lives in order to grow, in order to make this progress. So I'm saying it's essential at some point that we stop trying to change things. We stop trying to push or pull or shove things into our desired outcome. We have to learn how to surrender in the moment to whatever is happening. We have to surrender into the pause, into the liminal space, the waiting time, and just allow it to be there and allow ourselves to be in that still place without answers and without knowing. I think that's essential for us to keep growing and to keep 
moving toward becoming our best and highest selves. And so I wanted to tell you another story um, about my mom's end of life. I've talked a lot about the fact my mom died now six years ago, and I was there to care for her at her bedside. And I've talked about this experience. It was profound. I've, I've mentioned it quite a few times. If you're a frequent listener, you might have heard me talk about it. But um, in terms of this idea of rhythm and being able to pause and wait, I wanted to tell you a specific part of the story. Um, and it happened that this was the second to the last night that my mom was alive. Um, she and I had a really profound experience together of forgiveness. And I've mentioned it before. Um, she and I had a long history of a rather contentious relationship with a lot of conflict between us, but also a lot of pain. She and I were very good at hurting one another. So we both had an armor built up around us to shield us from the, the other person's pain and um, a lot of defensiveness and sensitivity when we were together, which made it interesting when suddenly I was in the role of being her caregiver and she was dependent as a patient, which she didn't like at all. So the second to the last night that she was alive, we, we had this experience together. She tried to crawl out of bed. I tried to help her get back into bed very awkwardly and ended up um, with my legs spread apart holding her feet which were sliding apart on the floor with my hands around her my arms around her waist trying to lift her up on the bed and uh, struggling for quite some time to, to actually get her back on the bed I was basically just trying to stop her from sliding and falling on the floor at that moment and then also trying to lift her on the bed when I had no upper body strength because my legs were um, spread apart holding her feet with up with my legs so she wouldn't slide with my feet so she wouldn't slide so um, anyway we had a struggle um, as I tried and tried to, to get her back into bed in the middle of the night and the outcome of that struggle is that I ended up holding her in my arms when I finally got her back into bed, so relieved, so grateful that nothing happened, that she didn't fall or get hurt, and that I didn't get hurt in the process of trying to lift her into bed, and that every, we were both safe and everything was fine. And I was holding her, and um, well, I guess I can just tell you, she said something to me, she said, I used to tie you to the kitchen chair. That's all she said to me. And suddenly I had this memory when I was little, two years, two or three years old, of <clears throat> she would tie me with a dish towel to the kitchen chair because I was constantly trying to crawl out of my high chair or crawl onto the table. And um, I hated it. It was always a negative memory for me. Like how awful that she would tie me down like that. And, um, Suddenly, in that moment, when that memory came back to me, I realized, oh, what she's telling me is that 
She loved me and was afraid I would get hurt, just like I was afraid she would get hurt. And I was trying to restrain her and force her back into bed where she didn't want to be because I didn't want anything bad to happen to her. And that her tying me to the chair was the very same act of love and concern. And as she spoke those words to me, we looked in each other's eyes and it was as if all the barriers between us broke down. We had this amazing moment of pure forgiveness as if we could see each other clearly for the first time ever. Suddenly I understood all the behaviors I didn't like about my mom being too controlling and too demanding. They were all coming from her love and her concern for me. And for the first time in my entire life, I could see it in that moment. And suddenly she saw me as well and saw my love for her. And it was as if everything that had ever hurt us was dissolved in that moment. We experienced this total forgiveness and total beautiful, unconditional love for one another. It was amazing. And um, when she fell asleep, I was exhausted and I climbed into bed next to her and slept next to her that night. And it was the most love I had ever felt in my life, in my relationship with my mom. It was beautiful and amazing. And I was basking in it and thinking, wow, I'm so glad that we reached this point together because we are going to have weeks in which we can just capitalize on this. I can just enjoy this feeling of being loved by my mom and loved without barriers and without agenda and without hidden wounds that are are corrupting the love or inhibiting the love. So, oh, I slept in this <clears throat> amazing blissful feeling that night, but woke up early in the morning because the sound of my mom's breathing had changed. And I knew in an instant from my experience being with dying patients, I knew in an instant that she was only going to live another day because her breathing had already changed. She was already already in the agonal breathing state of the dying process. And I was devastated because I had only just experienced the love my mom had to offer to me finally, fully and unconditionally. And now it was time for her to go. And it completely broke my heart. I started crying and sobbing on the bed because uh, I, I felt so sad, like, oh my gosh, I just got to experience this with her and now it's going to, to go away. And so that day, I knew this was going to be her last day. It was like her last 30 hours uh, with me and I wanted to make this somehow be a special day. So I thought about what do I need to do? What, what, what should I do? What should I plan? How can I act to make this? This is my mom's last day. It's our last day together. I have to do something special. I was trying way too hard to control the situation. I wasn't in the, at that time able to be in the liminal space. I wasn't able to get still and wait and simply be there and allow it to unfold. I was trying to control things because I felt like I only have this short time left with her. I need to make other special things happen. Well, 
as I was in the midst of that busyness and trying to do something to control how the day unfolded, the doorbell rang and it was a visitor who came. Um, it was a relative who said, I was out driving to the store this morning, the grocery store, and I got this feeling that I needed to come and see your mom. And so I just drove over here. She hadn't called first or let us know, but I knew, hmm, that's interesting. She got a feeling she needed to come. And I said, well, mom is not awake now. You know, mom's not waking up anymore, but you're welcome to come and, and just say whatever you'd like to say to her. So I ushered her into mom's bedroom and I whispered in mom's ear um, just so that mom would know what was happening, even if she wasn't going to be awake and lucid at that time. So I whispered, mom, Mary is here. And then I had Mary sit down in the chair next to the bed and suddenly my mom opened her eyes and turned toward Mary and looked at her with the most amazing brightness in her eyes that I had ever seen. Well, I had seen it the night before when I looked into her eyes and she smiled at Mary with this beautiful smile and Mary burst into tears. And that's all. Mom then closed her eyes and turned her head again. And Mary was profoundly affected by that moment. And suddenly I saw like something powerful just happened and I didn't control it. And I'm not in charge of it. Like mom came to the surface. She came back to be present in that room for Mary. Like something was there that somehow needed to be healed, just like my relationship with mom had needed to be healed the night before. And it happened in that instant of mom just looking at her and smiling at her. So Mary deeply moved left and about an hour or so later, another person came to the door with the very same story. I was on my way to do something else. And I got this strong feeling that I needed to come and see your mom. And so of course, I ushered that person right back. And the very same thing happened. Mom opened her eyes, looked directly into the eyes of the of this person and smiled. And again, the same thing. She burst into tears, profound experience of this love from my mom. So that day, I believe there were a total, I didn't actually count, but I think there were around 10 people who came. Um, some came together um, as pairs, but around 10 different people who came, all of them had the same story. I don't know why I got the feeling really strongly that I should come and see your mom. All of them were spread out throughout the day. They didn't like all bunch up together and there was time for rest in between each one of their visits. And honestly, I sat back in awe and wonder knowing <clears throat> I never could have orchestrated anything like this as much as I had wanted to create a special day for my mom's last day. I never would have thought of any of these people. Some of them I didn't even know who came by. And yet it was perfect watching person after person come and just be blessed, like almost be lightning struck by my mom opening her eyes and smiling at them. And she did it for every single person who came. And I was, as I said, I was completely in awe 
of what was happening. And it reminded me totally that I cannot control what's happening. This is the rhythm of her life and her death. And for me to even think that I could make something special happen today was out of line. That's, that's not how it is. All I needed to do was relax and allow this rhythm of her living and her dying to unfold as it would and as it did. There was nothing I needed to try to change or control. I simply needed to stay in that liminal space and wait and allow time to pause and allow whatever was happening next to happen. And it was such a powerful reminder to me so that um, mom lived through that night and until one o'clock the next afternoon. And through those hours, that experience the day before of watching how amazingly she opened her eyes for every person and just gave every one of them a blast of pure love um, as her last act on this earth. And as she, as I said, as she had done for me the night before, um, that experience showed me don't do anything. Don't think that you are controlling any of this. You just have to sit here. You just have to be here. You just have to bring your whole self the best you can. You have to experience everything, the watching, the waiting, the stillness, the moments of pure bliss when she opens her eyes, when she says a word. You have to experience that and be there for it and watch for it and take it in, but you can't control it and you can't make it be anything you want it to be. You have to surrender and accept this rhythm of her dying is its own entity. It, it's going to take place as it does in the way it does. And so I got this powerful reminder to be with it, to sit with her and be at her bedside. And even though it was all happening so much faster than I wanted, even though I wanted weeks, if not months of time to spend with her, to bask in that love, I had to be in the space where I could take in every single ray of light that beamed from her eyes and from her smile and every drop of love that she was sharing in her last moments and fill myself with that, fill myself up because this is what she was offering. This is what the rhythm of her life and death were giving to me. This was my blessing, my chance to be blessed by my relationship with my mom. And so from that moment of being in the stillness and being in the pause and waiting with her, when she actually did take her last breath, it was incredible, beautiful, profound. And I felt this rising sense of just joy and freedom and peace from my heart, even while I felt the devastation of, oh my goodness, like this is it. This is it. I can't, I, I, I can't hold her hand again. I can't lay with her again. I can't hold her in my arms again. 
that is over now. And of course, having gone through that time of waiting and pausing the stillness within the rhythm of life, it helped me so much the following months and years as I dealt with the sadness of have not being able to call my mom on the phone anymore, not being able to go visit her and drink tea with her at her table, not being able to look at her garden that she planted. Um, the sadness and the loss of that experience was so much more bearable because I understood how to wait. I understood how to pause. I understood how to get myself back into the rhythm, the rhythm of living and dying, the rhythm of stillness and movement. And each time I can bring myself back to that rhythm, I suddenly feel my mom's presence all around me. And so again, like Rudolf Steiner mentioned, we're allowed to take ourselves out of the rhythm if we need to or choose to. But when we return to the rhythm, that's when I remember, oh, mom is here all the time. I feel her presence. I feel that same love emanating from her. I haven't lost that at all. And so comfort comes to me and peace comes to me when I get myself back into that place of being within the rhythm of life. And there's one more thing that I wanted to share with you about this rhythm, about being able to surrender and go with the flow of living and dying, of experiencing the movement and the stillness, both whenever it's time for them to arise. And that is the idea of synchronicity, um, which is when two surprising events happen to coincide with one another and, um, synchronicity is a word, you know, that we sometimes some people think of that as a coincidence. Oh my gosh, look, we both showed up at the same place at the same time. Isn't that interesting? And perhaps my mom's last full day of life when those 10 people just happened to get inspired to come to our house, perhaps that was a coincidence that all 10 of them did. But perhaps it was more of a divine synchronicity. Perhaps it was because they themselves for just a moment were in the rhythm of life and they got an intuitive hit, something said to them, they got a message, go see Margaret now, go there right now. And they listened to it and they followed it. Um, so this idea that there is synchronicity, I believe when these experiences happen to us, it's when we are in the flow, when we are in the rhythm of the universe and nature, we're in the rhythm of life and death. That's when we're open to the synchronicity of events happening, of things flowing together and happening at the same time that are, that sometimes feel miraculous to us. And I was reading some research done by the scientist Bruce Lipton, and he talked about the fact that if you put a number of pendulum clocks on the wall in the same room, you know, so those are all clocks that have a pendulum that swings back and forth, and you start them all at different times so that they're all out of sync with one another, Ultimately, eventually, those clocks synchronize themselves so that the pendulums are swinging at exactly the same 
pace back and forth. So the rhythm of life, it's real. It's a real thing. Because even um, even an inanimate object like a clock can conform itself to the rhythm and synchronize with other clocks. And Bruce Lipton also mentions research where they place a number of heart cells, the living cells that are of heart tissue that are each beating. They place them in a Petri dish together without touching one another. And over an amount of time, those heart cells, which were each beating on their own at a different rate and different rhythm, eventually synchronize so that they're all beating together as one. I think this is something very profound for us to consider. When we're in the rhythm, when we allow ourselves and we surrender to it and we relax into the rhythm of life and death, of pausing and motion, then we have an opportunity to synchronize with other people around us. And that's what was happening that night as I was waiting for news about the puppy. And I found myself opening my heart and thinking about all the other people on that same night at that same moment who were in hospital rooms sitting at bedsides, maybe they were in a police station waiting for a loved one who'd been arrested. All the people waiting in various situations, wondering um, wondering what will happen next. And waiting for a phone call, waiting to hear the news, waiting to see what was coming. All the other people in that same liminal space of pausing and waiting. And as I described it, that night... I felt connected to everyone, everyone who was experiencing the the pause, the waiting, the uncertainty, the unknown of what's coming next. So when we relax into the rhythm, when we surrender to the rhythm of life and death, of the universe, of nature, that's when we have this opportunity to become synchronized with other beings on the planet. And that's when we can begin to recognize that we are all really one. We're all very different in our own ways. And oftentimes these days, we emphasize the differences. We emphasize the ways in which we're not alike at all. We don't think the same. We don't value the same things. We don't behave the same way. We don't want the same things. Um, we emphasize those differences, but in reality, we are like one heart beating. Our hearts synchronize with one another. Our spirits are in this same flow of life and death. If we can recognize that synchronicity, then I think we no longer have to fear other people. We can move through our fear of people who are different than us. We can find clearer vision. We can find fresh hope. And from hope, we can make progress, as Bruce Barton wrote. And I think that's a message to focus on for today. The reason we learn about living and dying, the reason we're studying it and talking about it so much, the reason we're focusing on it is because it has everything to teach us. 
Rhythm is one of the elements that's essential for us to learn the rhythm of being and doing, waiting and moving, stillness and motion. And so I hope any of you listening who are right now in that liminal space, who right now are waiting, not knowing what's going to happen next, and not knowing if if there will be a tragic outcome or a joyous, miraculous outcome, that's a very tense and painful and aching place to be. And I understand that fully. I just want you to know my heart is beating with yours. We are sharing the rhythm and the synchronicity of this moment. And I'm sending you unconditional, endless love to surround you and hold you as you sit in the darkness, waiting and waiting. And so I hoped you enjoyed part three of the dance of life and death. Until we're together the next time, remember that we're here for love. That's really what this life is all about. So face your fear, be ready for whatever comes your way next, and love each and every moment of your precious life. Bye-bye.